I'm good to go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I cut you off, and I feel bad about that. That's all good. Go ahead. All right. Now we have our call open. (laughs) Hi again, listeners. Thank you for joining us for another Pleasant Evenings Book Club. Um, Today I'm joined by Roberto, Hannah, and, you know, yours truly is also present, Corbin. Um, I'll go ahead and allow Hannah to do a recap of what we discussed last time. All right. So as you recall, in our previous episode, our girl Nelly, um, she had uh, received an assignment from her boss uh, at the journalism factory, wherein she was asked to uh, sort of get herself committed to a madhouse, which she did uh, by um, essentially uh, going to stay at the worst hotel ever and um, acting really weird to everyone there. She was then taken to court where a very nice judge uh, sentenced her to insanity. Um, She was then taken to Bellevue Hospital, uh, where uh, things were all right, but pretty shitty, uh, and she consumed uh, beef tea, notable, (laughs) um, and met a very nice Irish lady who liked pennies. Um, Yes, (laughs) I'm assuming... um, if you need, if you're listening to the recap, then then you do you, you recall some of this that I'm being a you know <laughs> hyperbolic. But um, from there, she was taken by boat to the insane asylum, and I believe right where we left off was when she uh, was sort of taken into the asylum. Correct? Yes. Right. Killer recap. Hey, I mean, I tried. I, I can. Do you want me to go in more detail? We can cut that one out. I just thought it'd be funny. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, that's I, good. I, all right. For sure. It's fine if you know if you're if you're here. It's either because you didn't want to hear about how she got into the madhouse, our our brave <laughs> hero Nelly, or you're just brave. What? Yeah. If you if you if for some reason you skip part one, I think that's what you need to know. I guess we should just recap this again. Obviously whatever language is used in this 18th century story is, is not necessarily what we stand for today. We express this in part one, but it still stands in part two. Right. Where it's like insane and, you know, maniac and lunacy, um, you know, are no longer appropriate today. We would use words like cock and, uh, beta and, uh, yeah, woke moralist. Woke moralist, yes. We'll see who. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's the other essential uh, catch up. So what you needed to know is she made it onto the island, and we're not bad, and you actually can't cancel us because we already said no. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, right. Anything we say is is a hundred years ago, so. Free pass. Yeah. (laughs) So our first introduction, I guess, to... To to the island is... Um... Is a a little horsey ride up from the docks to the the main... To the main grounds. Uh, We're introduced to... To a nurse, Miss, Miss Group... They say she's got a nice German face, but that's a facade. We find out very soon that she's she's not nice. She takes everyone into the to the building to get uh, processed. She's there with a couple of other people that were in the hospital that were thought to be mentally unsound. There's a one woman called Louise Shans. She can only speak German, and now we get a sense of how much these people don't actually care about the patient. The, the doctor there, I believe his name is Dr. Kinnear, and he asked Miss Group to translate because she's German, but apparently she's shy about her nationality and refuses to translate. So they just kind of, I don't know, fell out her paperwork and, and let her through. Uh, Nellie knows that she seemed sane. Like, the people that Nellie, like, sees there, they're all sane and try to plead their, their case for why they shouldn't be there. Uh, they're swiftly dismissed. These are the people, like, we'll see them return a lot. So, th- this is uh, Tilly Mayard. 
and Anne Neville. Both uh, Anne Neville seemed perfectly sane, but like she kind of worked herself to exhaustion. She worked as a chambermaid. And Tilly Mayard, um, we don't get much on her backstory before, but I think it was like, a nervous she, condition. Yeah, nervous debilitation. Yeah, yeah. Her friends, her friends brought her, right? Yeah. Damn. Imagine Some if friends. friends. Yeah, imagine <laughs> if your friends like Oh yeah. No, that's like I like I think we'll see as we go that um because Nellie Bly is she knows she's getting out. She doesn't fully feel the despair of being in there, but Tilly Mayard is like our our window into the you know truer so to speak the truer experience of someone who is you know forced into these places and what it can do to you right yeah when then so we do get we do get um a more up close view of how they're processed when nelly bly as nelly moreno is is being interviewed by the doctor. We are we we see up close just how much they don't care because the doctor is more interested in flirting with the nurse than he is in actually looking at her. He just asks the nurse like how like what color eyes she has. The nurse says gray, and they go okay. They write it down, even though Nellie herself says about her eyes are brown. Um, yeah, that whole conversation is really weird. <laughs> it's something about the way that they like. Um flirt like any two people would but at the same time like what what uh what they do while they do this is you know condemn people casually to like eternity. yeah <laughs> yeah right it's just <laughs> like imagine like uh like you go to hell and like 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 the demons the demons there to torment you are just like um just like, like kind of <laughs> like just like winking at each other and like looking a little flirty you know it's just like oh fuck y'all like you know yeah and then you're kind of part of it you're a prop and they're flirting because like she's like taking like measuring her height and she's like oh i don't know how to do it. and he's like oh yes you do and he's like teasing her with that right right yeah i would feel very um more like an object than a person for real like, like <laughs> in an actual sense like yeah the the particular object for like it's already bad enough to be an object and then that object is a third wheel right yeah <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> even worse a conversation piece like <laughs> just uh i think like part of the reason why um we wanted to read this book was just to get a sense of what it's like there so we see in the narrative just like how much the doctors don't care um, we get a little description of of the environment uh nelly bly puts focus on on like this like long empty room with just like a table in the middle and some and some benches that she says are that are made to hold five people but usually they have like six inmates crowded onto them all the windows are barred and she notes how everything is everything is clean spotless she's thinking oh how nice that the, how how nice that the the nurses work so hard to keep it clean <laughs> yeah yeah just set up right right obvious foreshadowing we see how they're kind of forced to move around. Like they're like being like all the people are like put into a group and made to stand. I don't know who has PTSD from grade school of like having the angry teacher try to get all the kids in line and yelling at all of them. Yeah, Awful. yeah, no, I, yeah, I remember no. that. Yeah, school is a prison. Boys and girls, oh. separate lines. <laughs> oh, that's another. That's another layer of that, I guess. They're taken to eat dinner, and we we get ne one of Nellie Bly's favorite uh, writing exercises, which is describing gross food. She's all about her like her 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 slurries and her gruels and her, her <laughs> little micro food review, food critique in the middle of this um, investigation. Like yeah, like we'll say like she describes like how a day is, and then she'll say, and basically every day was like that, and then just throw in some some episodes right. here and there but she will not miss an opportunity to describe the food yeah but i guess like that i mean that that stands out 
She find when she finds like a spider in her bread. Oh yeah, dude. I found a spider in my weed once. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You threw the whole thing to the trash. I, I, I was thinking that like um just in general, like food back then would have been like on, on a whole kind of worse, and the fact that she's saying it's even worse than that must be like this this is practically poison. But um, I think that speaks to the fact that in one of the scenes she describes like a mealtime and she's like a fat woman sat down and ate like yeah. <laughs> five plates of everything, stole them from everyone else. And I'm like, yo, how many spiders did she just swallow? Like, I guess she's well over giving a fuck, but I'm not like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I thought it was a little unnecessary to call the woman fat. Well, sure, but again, we're using the language of the time. I, of that's the time, literally yeah. what she said. Yeah, that's yeah, literally she, what she said. She actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not. You know, hey, uh, not not coming from me, coming from Nelly. Yeah, I don't know if her angle there just to give a overview of like, look at all these kinds of people that are here. I I I think it was like to show the sort of dehumanizing brutality of their situation, like we're. Uh, you, you know, it, it's uh, it's almost like an animalistic image to see, like, a, a the largest one sort of taking all the food for itself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it calls to mind, like, um, you know, like suckling a... <laughs> piglets or something like that, yeah. Which are obviously treated pretty poorly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's To me, it's like a, a, you know, a reduction in their humanity, and that's, I think, why she chose to show it like that. Like, um, one, this woman can't get enough to eat for her personal needs. Two, mm-hmm. the food that she's eating is slop. Three, she's stealing it from everyone else in order to eat it, you know? Like, yeah. It yeah. seems to be, um, like, part of the process of, of, like, moving into the institution is learning to force down the food. Right. So all the people that are new can't eat it. But she does say, it did not require much time for the patients to consume all that was eatable on the table. <laughs> so... Yeah, like, because that's something that comes up a lot is the hunger. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever any of the patients are, like, that's, she talks about how that's, like, one of the patients, like, favorite activities to, to favorite topics to talk about is what they're going to eat when they get out. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it really forces them into this stuff. And they don't even get beef tea. They get... Pink, pinkish looking stuff which the patients called tea pinkish why would it be p- pink <laughs> that is that is drugged water I think <laughs> oh my special tea it's, it's that cough right. syrup that coating right, right. ah yeah, Seroquel boy it's a Seroquel straight up <laughs> Pepto-Bismol to help with the rest of it yeah, Pepto-Bismol and Seroquel. Actually, sounds kind of fun. <laughs> Threw a little Benadryl in there. Yeah. <laughs> Call it the uh, the Pink Panther. She <laughs> was a product of her time. I wonder what great recipes we'll come up with uh, if we read The Jungle. Like, we're on the roll with this stuff. I think I read the jungle and uh, I'm pretty sure I read that for my uh, for my senior year of college. Like I think I had to write about it in my thesis. I, I either read about it or like faked reading about it well <laughs> enough that I feel like I read it, you know. But I never read it. Did you get any any um, any good uh, kitchen ideas from it? Because like we're from on a roll jungle? with this one. Well, I've already eaten my entire hand, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I assume that's just that's something for the uh, Sinclair heads up out there to enjoy. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, on that subject though, I was reading about the daughter party a little bit ago, and I, I don't know why. I just uh, weird that cannibalism has come up twice today. I, I don't consider <laughs> myself like a cannibalism fanatic, so I, <laughs> I guess that's why I'm uh, <laughs> kind of shocked. Uh, I, these things come in threes. That was two. I, I, is somebody going to get eaten? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just let that hang there. Yeah, right. Like, about to get murdered by a cannibal, I bet. <laughs> as we move from, as we move from, from the eating hall to the bathroom, when it's time to give everyone a bath, we get maybe the, I don't know if anyone has any other 
highlights. But to me, this was the 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 most inexplicable thing in the whole book. So everyone's made to go into the uh, into the into the bathroom where there's a tub full of really cold water, and they tell Nellie to undress so they can dunk her in there. And I'm just gonna read what she saw. At this, I noticed one of the craziest women in the ward standing by the filled bathtub with a large discolored rag in her hands. She was chattering away to herself and chuckling in a manner which seemed to me fiendish. I knew now what was to be done with me. I shivered. I, so, <laughs> me, me when I... <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. That's, that's really something. I'm glad it was just a bath. She says it's a crazy one, so I assume she's a, a patient, and they go in the gear. It seems to me that the, these nurses aren't doing very much of the manual labor. Dude, yeah. Okay, so I, I, I think these nurses are like, I don't want to touch the people. They're gross. I'm just going to ask a person to touch another person. I'm not going to clean. They can clean. Right, right, right. Because there's a lot of instances of like the nurses just passing on the, the tasks, you know? Oh yeah, like yeah, looks so, okay. Like, cause it's a reveal that it's all the all the cleaning was is done by the by the patients, right? And they sew all the clothes. And being that like a forced bath sounds like the worst thing like in the world to be on either side of. Uh, you know, it, it's maybe like you know you can maybe see the rationale in them. Like, it's just they pick the craziest one with the strongest arms and like the, the <laughs> you know the the most uh, the most of mice and men dead rabbits and <laughs> just let them have yeah. at it. <laughs> I okay, <laughs> like I like the way she's described with the, the fiendish laugh. I'm picturing like <laughs> like good news. You get to wash the patients again. She's like hee 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 hee. Like, yeah, I, I they mean, call her Laura. They call her. They call her Laura Sponges Johnson. Like she's. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a powerful position in a place where you would usually be powerless. So, well, I get the good, sense that she's Laura. just like literally like raving mad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anything like that. They might have, yeah, it's probably they just like gave her the towel and had yeah. her just do it. I, I didn't even get the sense that this was like an insanity case. Do you know what I mean? This to me seems like more like a severely disabled person. Do you know what I mean? Like somebody oh, with like yeah. an actual like, you know what I mean? Like somebody who's, you know, who, whose arm posture other people would make fun of. You know what I mean? Like somebody like that, you know, um, who is just like, you know, like raving and like, like, you know, not even maybe aware of the amount of force that they're exerting. They're just like, bathe the patient, bathe the patient. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's sort of how I took it. That's what I envisioned. I, my mom actually worked with severely disabled people for a while. She was a social worker. I mean, meta commentary aside on that, but like I, I've interacted with people that are like just very like not present and not no. as like a function of like classical mental illness descent into madness. Do you know what I mean? It's like a it's like a genetic condition. You know, they're just you know it's like a severe mental deficiency. It's like. Um, you know, it's purely biological, but I, you know, back then they wouldn't have differentiated. I'm, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they would have ended up in the same boat. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right. If perfectly healthy women end up there too, why not? Oh yeah, they would have well, locked well, my ass up, dude. I I would have been ten times nuts by their standards. I already know. Well, like we we're saying before, is is as easy as being outcasted. Mm-hmm. Right. Make enough people uncomfortable in, in that uh, in, in that shelter, and you're you're off. Yeah, <laughs> there's two cases of people just being there because they can't speak English. That's so stupid. <laughs> I just, like, I mean, I, I it's it makes a lot of sense historically, and like you know, but I just like uh, you hate to see it. You hate mm-hmm. to see it. Yeah, it just kind of revealed that it's just like this place, just where um, where they throw women they don't know what to do with. Well, what's the word she uses for them? Unfortunates? I mean, they're not unfortunate because they're insane. They're unfortunate because they're, like, um, just downtrodden by society and dumped yeah. in a waste bin, you know? Right. One of them, uh, like, yeah, one of them is, is like, says that she was brought there under the pretense that that's where you could go if you didn't have much money. Yeah, she, she called them because she was uh, 
just poor looking for support. Right. Which is insane. Like, imagine, like, you call, like, a, a, a mental institution now and you're like, I'm poor. They'll be like, okay, nothing we can do for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we have more sophisticated ways of sorting people into piles. <laughs> you're unfortunate if a doctor can dis- can 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 decide that there's something wrong with you or you're uh, lazy. Look, now when you're poor, you go to jail. So. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I was thinking. Like, this is, like, this institution has, like... How many people was it? Like, 3,600? Right. Like, a and... Bunch. I, remember it's, I remember it being, like, thousands, but I don't remember mm-hmm. the, the total. And, you know, maybe not so much in 1897, but over the years, like, the prison population in the United States is, of course, astronomical. Right. Like, I was wondering, like, we should look if there are any, um... Any prison memoirs that are... That are worth looking into. But it's... Would be a good idea. Like, I guess, yeah, it's not... It's not over. Like, even even here, like, I guess I'm skipping ahead, but... At the end of it, I didn't feel much... Like, hope for things getting much better. They just, like, say that the, that the hospital got a million dollars more. Well, I was, I was going <laughs> to ask how... You all felt about whether or not she made a uh, effective change for these people. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that she did. I mean, something must have happened between then and now because things are, like, a little bit better. It's my understanding. Like, I know a few people have been, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I personally have not. But my understanding is it isn't quite that shitty. I mean, there are, like, a lot of institutional problems still, of course, but, like... Yeah, yeah, there, there's, um... There's more standards... Yeah, when I was in a place, like, at least, like, I couldn't really say anyone was mean. Maybe this impression is incorrect, but it it seems to me that today there seems to be more of a therapy focus along with psychiatry. Yeah, well, now it's more normal for more people to have therapy, like, outside of being, you know, in an outpatient facility. Right. Like, so... Yeah, more people. We love therapy. <laughs> we love therapy. We love our therapist. Yeah, when, I, yeah, and like now, like those those places, when I was I was there for, like a week, week and a half. Uh huh. I had a like I had a a psychologist like talk to me, maybe, once every two or three days. Mm-hmm. To you know to do like real like talk talk through it work but the rest of the time like the people that are there are put there because i think because like talk therapy is like a lot more normal and like access to you know antipsychotics and antidepressants and you know whatever else is 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 easier but the people that are there are there because they're at a very extreme point I guess so it is mostly just like a place of with like very little stimulus where most of the time you're either left to be in your room or like in a room where there's a uh, some tables and during the day there's like a half hour where you get to go to an activities room where there's some computers and like playing cards and things and then they like lock that up you get a, that's when like the, I don't know, like an occupational therapist or something would come in. Like the people that were there, like I was, I felt like I was, yeah, maybe everyone feels that way. <laughs> I felt like I was um, lucky to be, um, to have my head screwed on as much as it was. Because yeah, there were people that you like, you see them, they, you can't really see like behind their eyes much. Like, they're just kind of sitting. Like, some people are, like, can't speak. Just, like, make sounds. Or they're, like, in, like, delusion. Like, I I met a guy there who... I guess it was kind of a Nellie Bly thing. He said he didn't know how he got to um, Cincinnati. That he was from Kentucky and he was just walking when they found him. Like, he didn't speak very clearly, but... 
the two things I got was that he's Jesus and that gays are going to burn in hell. Oh, yeah. Both of those things were probably <laughs> true. Oh. So, <laughs> please cut that out. <laughs> don't put that in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm by everyone. I'm not. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like the most dangerous episode we've done yet. Hey, I like, I like that, though. I like that, though. Oh. Um. <laughs> Okay, so I did have a stereotypical, I guess, breakthrough moment talking to the therapist whenever I did get actual talk time. Because again, like, mm-hmm. yeah, so like, it's mostly to keep people there to chill out. I, but yeah, like coming out of there, I, I, I did feel for a while like worse than I did coming in. Right. Yeah, it's like the uh, the way that you like the like losing control. You know, it's like, it's like a hospital off the side of the road in Cincinnati. Like, it's not really... There wasn't really a way to go out into any kind of garden or anything like that. For a while, like, just, like, one half of one floor, like, just like one wing of a of a hospital was my entire world. Like, I couldn't move, you know, past mm-hmm. certain doors. Wow. That's kind of what the pandemic was like for at least a week or two. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. When it, like, when it first cracked and everybody was like... Can I even order food without disinfecting the pizza box first? <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yeah, that's that's how I felt in that period. I was like, okay, I'm, I am the box that I live in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so weird how for a while, like, people wouldn't even go outside to be, like, in the park out of, like, which now, like, looking back, like, of course you could be outdoors, especially if there's no one else there. Yeah, that's so true. I remember it took me a while to want to go for a walk, and when I did, I was nervous. I remember going to the grocery store wearing gloves and, like, a mask, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like being scared of it, like, mm-hmm. getting my shit home, looking really closely at it, disinfecting it, thinking about whether or not anyone around me had coughed, you know? Like, Literally yeah. the first day of shutdown, Aaron stepped on a nail and went through her fucking shoe... And we had to take her to fucking urgent care to, uh... Oh, my God. That's the worst place to be. It's not, yeah, it's like, oh, darn it. Literally, th- this was the day that they ordered the shutdown. And here we are going to urgent care. It's like, oh, fuck. We're going to get COVID now. <laughs> right. Didn't, to my knowledge, but... We need another pandemic. I'm kidding. I don't... don't... I know we got another pandemic. It just won't. We'll just let people die this time, though. What? We've got another pandemic. We got a COVID surge and we've got monkeypox now. Dude, yeah. I'm I'm like gay enough to be vulnerable to monkeypox, I bet. And you don't even have to be like. It's it's airborne. It's more like smallpox. Wait, really? Yeah, like it's not like respiratory, but still like it's. It's still like being in the room with someone with smallpox for a long time. Like you collect samples of the air and like you'll see transmissible like samples of the virus. What the fuck? Like I've heard people talk about like how it's kind of dangerous to call it a, you know, another, you, you know, your Republicans will just call it a gay STI. Probably, you know, probably call it something worse. Um, yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's good to get out ahead of it because I'm looking at a Marjorie Taylor Greene right now tweet that uh, says that, uh, like, some the tweet that she says that says, uh, if this is a gay STD, then why are kids getting it? And that's like, okay, we gotta... Because of the groomers, yeah. That. That's where it's getting even more dangerous. Right, that's, yeah, that's obviously really bad rhetoric. That's concerning. The degree of transmissibility, like, there's no way people are fucking this much like in the united states to go from like zero to a thousand cases of covid or one to a thousand cases of covid took like 57 days uh-huh. and one to a thousand cases of smallpox was like 62 or something right i get that people are excited after the pandemic but there's no way people are having sex so much that the rate of transmissibility is the same as a respiratory illness lord knows i'm not <laughs> So yeah, like skin to skin contact seems to be the worst thing. I'm not getting a lot. Like, damn, that's exactly what I've been craving lately too. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen much in terms of resources for like testing or anything advertised. So I don't know. So I guess like just something to look out for. Right. Could be bad. 
maybe it won't be. Yeah, I don't know. Everything's pretty bad these days. Yeah, either way, like bad or good, like not they're not gonna, gonna do anything about about it anyways. Doomer moment aside. Oh yeah, well there we go. We got that out of the way. I, the way the book is written, sometimes it felt like the structure was a little, a little loose, because they don't describe until later how the water isn't changed out between baths until it gets like thick, and then they would throw it out and change it. That's so gross. What do you mean by thick? Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me see. Let me see if I wrote down. No, no. You you wrote that correctly. Okay, no, it's correct. It's correct. I just I, I glossed over it then because I didn't want to think about it when I read it, you know. But now that we're here and we're talking about it, it's like, what do they mean by thick? What do they mean by thick? <laughs> yeah, to get to that point, they do a lot of a lot of that. Then later in the the next morning, there's only two towels to clean their face that everyone has to share. And she says that she saw some people do the most violent eruptions into it. Yeah, yeah. She describes them as she describes them as women with eruptions. <laughs> that's a, that's acne, right? I I'm assuming that I, I I'm assuming it could be boils or just like any skin, you know, monkeypox, any kind of skin disease. Oh, just, just any kind of deviation from. Sorry, I thought. Sorry, I thought. Um, I thought it was just like buggies. I thought they were just blowing their noses. <laughs> Could be that. Could be that. That's what I mean. I think pretty much anything that leaks a a, 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 a substance is on the table here. Yeah, anything that could be described as an eruption, I don't want to share with a stranger. What about, what about a lava cake? <laughs> I will split a lava cake. How many people were in Hall 6? Because this, um, this was the... Was it 40 people? God, that's gross. Two towels. Yeah, two towels for... For 40 people. How, how many... If you take 40 people, how many of them have eruptions? I'm gonna... Yeah, there can't be that many bad apples. Uh, it is 18 whatever, so... At least two-thirds, uh, right? Yeah, probably two-thirds of them have some form of eruption. There's, like, some, like... Clicks or something. When they're giving some out t- outside times... I'm moving... I'm, <laughs> I'm starting the train again. Um... When they're uh, when they're given some outside time, uh, there's a moment where like she like sees some people and they say, "Those are the the meanest ones in the in in the island or something." They they go to the lodge. I was thinking Twin Peaks when they said that. I was I was a hundred percent thinking Twin Peaks. It's kind of hard not to be. I I tried googling for this outside of the, but I could only find other references to Ten Days in a Madhouse. But I'm going to read this bit of, like, the other people that they find um, about something that she sees when she's out outside. A, a long cable rope fastened to wide leather belts, and these belts locked around the waists of 52 women. At the end of the rope was a heavy iron cart, and in it two women, one nursing a sore foot, another screaming at some nurse, saying, You beat me, and I shall not forget it. You want to kill me. And then she would sob and cry. The women on the rope, as the patients call it, were each busy on their individual freaks. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of a hellish image, but... <laughs> yeah, worst Dark Souls boss I've ever thought <laughs> Yeah, the chariot of the infirm. Chariot of a rubber woman. <laughs> and we do that to kids these days. Are you talking about the fucking leashes? Are you talking about yes. kid leashes? Yes. Those are not the same thing, dude. What? No, it's not the same <laughs> thing, but I guess I'm starting to really like... a similar concept of um, fucking lack of autonomy to even walk around outside. Did we find out that as a child, Corbin was tied to a to a le- to leather <laughs> belt to a heavy iron cart with 52 other children? What, that didn't happen to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> there's an analogy to be made there. There's, there's it's a... They did it for a whole year and called it kindergarten. <laughs> kindergarten was just being strapped to a cart. They do okay. do that. Kindergartens do do that, though. 
I remember my dad used to say, time for kindergarten, son. And then he would tie me to the parking meter and go to the bar. Good time. (laughs) (laughs) The rats were my teachers and they taught me everything I needed to know. (laughs) I got a coloring book, but no crayons. They said, use your imagination. And that was the greatest lesson I could have ever. I've been seeing colors ever since. (laughs) Yeah, these are like the onboarding images is when, like, I mean, how scary is it to, to, to see that and then, like, wonder, like, are they going to put me in there? Like, is this, is this by rotation? Right, like, what circle of hell are they on versus me? Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit where she, speaking of circle of hell, right, there's a bit where Nellie Bly like looks at a sign that says while i live i hope and she said it should better say abandon hope all ye who enter here right it's like the hell is real sign in ohio it's just like a little too suited to like <laughs> to its so here's where we get the the biggest sketch of what daily life is so if you're not tied to the cart or passing out from a fever due to being constantly cold and not eating well at all and eating spiders you're just made to sit still from like 6 a.m to 8 which good lord and yeah so like she wonders like how can anyone not go crazy from from that like some doctors look at nelly bly and the doctors say that she looks normal and the superintendent um just says um in cases like her such tests fail just like, trust me, she's crazy. Why else would she be here? What kind of sane person turns down spider bread? <laughs> but yeah, I think that's what we get for their daily routine. Uh, I, 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 just, I just skip around. We didn't like talk about like how the nights were, but it's kind of a more intense version of what we expected. Like the, the uh-huh. nurses walk around, they open every door, and they have to unlock it. They peek in, they shine a lantern. And they lock it harshly again. They do that for every door and she can hear each one. They did try to drug her at one point to make her sleep. Yeah. I I guess this is the most extreme difference. And there is a difference between also, like, when she's moved from Hall 6 to Hall 7. It seems like Hall 7 is a little scarier. Um, Like, I don't have the exact quote, but there's a patient who's running around looking for someone to kill. Did I read that right? she was she's looking to kill lucifer right yeah she was having like a very specific delusion about yeah. uh, lucifer specifically gonna kill the devil yeah eventually it says that this um this patient she believes she succeeds and the nurses tease her by pointing at some painting and saying that that's the devil and they get her riled up again um, but what seems to happen all the time is that these nurses are like, they're cruel. Like, like not they're not just like mean. They're not just like they want you to fall in line. But they'll they'll tease you if they think they can. Mm-hmm. They'll gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. Girl boss. <laughs> 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 Yeah, they'll do all of that. There's an old woman, right, who like who's like blind, and they keep trying to make her sit. But then when she's walking around, they'll laugh at her as she's like bumping into things. Yeah, I think that was like a newcomer or something. She like didn't even know where she was, which is like, ugh. Yeah, God, that's so that's so sad. She just wanted to go back to bed. Is what she wanted. She keeps like trying to take her shoes off, but they so they have like the inmates like they have, like seven at a time force her down to like put her shoes back on. There's a there's a woman who I guess is like negligence. There's like a woman who straight up dies, right? Of of like fever. Yeah. Yeah, like they leave her and then they come back and she's dead. Yeah, I recall that. What was it? That was one of the most extreme ones too. They like beat her in the tub or something. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of them were like pseudo waterboarded, where like a pillowcase was put over their head and they were just dunked in water. You know. Yeah. This new patient comes in who she says she's 33 but she says she's 18 the doctors the nurses say the doctors say you're 33 and they tease her about her age until she gets mad and then when she when she does they start like beating her and choking her 
and they take her to a room to choke her. Ish. And then they go out and they start like picking fights with other inmates. Like that, she says something like, like Nellie Bly, something about the punishment made her wanna. Made. This is Miss Grady. She's the head nurse. So, like, this is the the culture. Um, it made her want to go out and punish more people. Yeah, the punishment seemed to awaken their desire to administer more. They returned to the sitting room and caught hold, and caught hold of an old gray-haired woman, whom I have heard addressed as both as Mrs. Grady and Mrs. O'Keefe. She was insane, and she talked almost continually to herself and to those near her. She never spoke aloud at the time, and at the time I speak of was sitting harmlessly chattering to herself. They grabbed her, and my heart aches as she cried. For God's sake, ladies, don't let them beat me. Shut up, you hussy, said Mrs. Grady. I guess that was like a scarier, a bad word. Shut up, you hussy, said Miss Grady, as she caught the woman by the by her gray hair and dragged her shrieking and pleading from the room. She was taken to the closet, and her cries grew louder and lower and then ceased. Yeah, there's some like really gnarly descriptions of like, brutality yeah i remember at this point in the book i was just sitting there in like a state of like weird horror you know what i mean i was mm-hmm. like oh god this is just like one brutal thing after another ironically i was getting ready to go get lunch and i like uh put it kept putting it off for like 20 minutes because i kept losing my appetite <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was it was ugh, really made my stomach turn a couple times I think that's in the chapter called like choking and beating the patients. There's there's one that they're teasing to try to like to try to like say weird things to another one of the nurses. But she I guess maybe she's like learned not to. Like she refuses. And then Miss Grady, the head nurse, I repeat, the head nurse, Miss Grady, like pretends to go in to tell her a secret and spits into her ear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. How do you feel about the way the the book was like structured? Oh, I hated it. I hated it. I can't lie. It seemed kind of all over the place, right? Yeah, I wish she had like maintained some semblance of order. Like, I, I I obviously get that sometimes you're gonna want to bounce around a little, especially in like a journalistic narrative style, but. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, just trying to, like, follow it from beginning to end was really confusing. I mean, and, you know, her, her prose is pretty clear and well-written, so it doesn't seem like it had to be that way. It would just be like, um, you know, like, at one point she would think of something from the end of the story, and she'd be like, oh, I have to talk about this now. You know, yeah. but that, like, really, like, throws off your order of events, you know, like, like or how your head processes that information, at least for me, you know? yeah. Um, like there's the example of the thick water that doesn't get brought up until later. Right. The, the conversation about fire risk just kind of in, in the middle of some chapter. Yeah, that one, I thought we're going to get more of stuff like that where like something happens and she wants to talk more about the context. Right. Right. Okay, she's waiting, she's thinking about the fire and she thinks back to a conversation talks about the general like way that it's unsafe and what the doctor told her. Well, and, and like, I'm all about the slimes and gruels, but she spends like a little bit too much time on the food in a way that maybe like discredits her as a writer. And that sometimes it <laughs> seems like she is just really picky, like no offense. And I mean, like, I have no doubt the food was gross. Like I, I seriously, I genuinely believe it was, but like the way she's like, Oh, and the food was horrid. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you, if you, if you, if every other paragraph you say that, do you know what I mean? It just like starts to lose some of its luster and make it feel like you're just complaining. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, far be it from Nellie Bly to, you know, I mean, she, she rises from the grave and canceled me where I stand, so be it. But it's just, I, I'm just criticizing her writing, not the intent of her message, you know? Yeah, and it's not even like, yeah, like, it's like, her prose is fine, but, like, like this could have used a, a second draft or something. It feels first drafty. I was willing to attribute a lot of its sloppiness to the way that she initially published it, which was in, like, you know, like, one chapter at a time is, like, sort of a, what, like a newspaper, like a continued newspaper article, yeah. right? You know, in that context, I could understand maybe jumping around a little bit more, you know, like what we're reading technically wasn't meant to be read as a single piece from beginning to end, mm-hmm. at least in its initial conception. I mean, yeah. does it excuse the, the weird focus on food <laughs> and some of the jumpiness? 
Probably not. I, I think that's that's a fair criticism. Yeah, I think like I I mean food makes sense because like you can describe it like that's like direct physical proof of abuse of abuse. Yeah, of things not being up to code. You know, like up to a standard that people should expect, especially in in a doctor patient context. Um. I was wondering how she was going to structure it. Like, there wasn't really going to be, like, rising action and climax and all that because we knew she was going to be there until she left. There is the one bit that's, like, laid out like a story, but it's kind of laid out like a like a Dark Souls NPC side quest where, <laughs> where she just, like, checks in on Tilly Mayard. Finds her in, like, different increasingly grotesque positions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> with like increasingly like nonsensical like and bleak things to say <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so conniptions <laughs> i guess like Gives um, me conniptions yeah so in the spirit of how the book kind of jumps around and like now we're just kind of jumping around because yeah she's there things happen and she leaves um yeah they want to get into like Millie, like Tilly, Tilly Mayard's fate. Uh, she's she's really tragic. There's a tragic character, right? But she becomes sort of like the poster child. Oh, go ahead. We don't really know she like survives the experience either, or right. she's, she's not she's not seen again when she goes back with the jury. Oh, yeah, a lot of those people disappear, which is super fucked up, but anyway, neither... Yeah, I guess we'll get, we'll get, uh, we'll circle back to that. we're we're continuing jumping around a bit. (laughs) Oh. And just like the author again, like, I don't know that we can be faulted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah, Tilly, Tilly Mayer, like, she, like, if, like, yeah, like, um, if I had to compare it to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, she's like the young guy. Oh, Um, Billy, Billy Bibbit, right? Yeah, she's like the Billy Bibbit character. That's another oh. tragic character. She, um, Nelly and Miss Neville seem to be like friends. Like talk to each other. They 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 see something and you'll you'll hear Neville be like, "Oh, these poor creatures." Or Tilly say, "Yeah, she like, oh, like this food's bad." Like like they go in together. Nelly Vly has to like then distance herself from Tilly because she goes crazy in a way that's like she believes that Nelly is trying to take over her identity and whenever someone goes to see Nelly because I guess her story's famous somehow her fake story of being the Cuban woman who looks like the judge's sister I, I, I kind of didn't like how famous she was in all of this do you know what I mean I felt <laughs> like it uh, you know I uh, it made the, I, I, you know, I don't want to like derail you, but it, to me, it diluted like the a little bit of her experiment that that she was national news or something. <laughs> it's like a, a right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there I was something. I, I'll let you go back. Um, something weird about that factoid. I, I kind of didn't like that it panned out that way. Yeah, it was an odd thing. It definitely changed the tone. Like, I guess I would like if this was a fiction, right? You'd want. Mm-hmm the danger of like oh no what if she's stuck there you'd want you know that would be the threat that's like looming behind like every gesture oh yeah from but the they nurses. Ran it in though you know what i mean like people would be showing up but she wouldn't be a sensation you know what i mean like there would be people <laughs> looking for her i think if this were fiction but i don't think she would be like a news phenomenon like like she's implied to be in this which is um, yeah, so there must have been like some leaks or something that made people like made people want to check in Maybe, like, the, the Wikipedia did say that she, like, did, like, check in with the state first to tell them that she was going right. to do this. So maybe they were just people to make sure that she wasn't being killed or anything. Yeah, but I, I was <laughs> kind of wondering that. Because, again, not to, like, jump around, but she she sort of transfers from, um, she leaves and then immediately she's before a grand jury. I was like, where did a grand jury even come from? I thought this was for a news news piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, that's so that kind of threw me. I, I don't know how that would have happened if she wasn't in contact with some yeah you know, must have been authority. Like right. But anyways, for sure, Tilly doesn't know about any of it. So like that must contribute to her um her breakdown. 
where she <laughs> she's like she must have had a hard time to end up there and then she's there and it's even worse and then her friend is getting all this attention suddenly <laughs> like completely unexplained and so like may just like her her hope and her jealousy get mixed up into this thing where then she thinks that I could be getting out. They could be taking me out. But Nellie somehow, Nellie Brown is taking that chance from me or something. Like, man, it's so it's so sad, like, how that... I mean, because she's not so far off. I mean, Nellie was... She was lying about who she was. That's true. I mean, I mean to, to her, too. So, like... She might have picked up on some of that. Must have picked up on that. Yeah, that, that vibe and who knows in some fractalized other dimension if Nellie Bly never did this maybe maybe Tilly would have gotten that attention who who knows Mm -hmm. but I like feeling suspicious and upset like maybe there there was something to why she ended up there like that the specificity of her delusion is a little bit like some of that, like, she must have brought herself, right? I mean, she, she was the uh, the anxious one, right? Yeah. The nervous devotation, yeah. I, I mean, being in that environment and already being nervously debilitated, like... Yeah, no, yeah, it could just you're, happen. You're, you're going to go so... Oh, yeah, I mean, I... You know, I would say I'm nervously debilitated. You know, a bad day at work will put me over the over the edge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can only imagine. There's like a kind of anxious paranoia that's like everyone's fake. They actually hate me, right? Um, or they pretend to be my friends, but they're actually no, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm. I don't know if this is the time to to share. I have another story. Of my time in the hospital. It is. There was a patient there who, like, she, she was there because she was having, like, this, she was having, like, this, like, manic episode. Like, we were in the room with the tables, and she's just saying over and over again, I'm so happy, I'm so happy. I think she's, like, waiting for someone to, like, ask her why she's happy. And I look over, and then she says, God is talking to me. Yeah, after but there's a beat, and then she says through the Bible. So I just like I lock I lock in on that. I was like, okay. So I thought that would be like her her whole deal. But the other thing was that she like was in love with this football player called Mark Sanchez. <laughs> Who is that? I feel like I've heard that name before. Um, I asked a friend. Apparently, he's famous because he did the butt fumble, where he ran into someone's butt and dropped the ball. Yes. <laughs> Handsome, I guess. I don't think... <laughs> you know what I mean? It's weird to fixate on that. She would tell me about how, like, they were gonna get married. She would, like, ask me to teach her Spanish so that she could impress him with her Spanish. Huh. But, like, the fact that they would meet was already assumed. And the fact that she would that he would love it was already assumed. Damn, that's gotta be nice. <laughs> that certainty. That's half... That's half the battle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the attitude you want to go in with. Um, that's like a, a strange, like, intense happiness. Like, it's like a, like a manic thing. But I, I just thought of that. I just thought, of, it just reminded me of her when when Tilly came in with, with this, with this delusion. Like, maybe it's like a, like a pattern. Maybe like acute stress, like brings out these like obsessive thoughts no i think that's true ish i mean obviously they're going to be you know it's not always going to be the case but huge stress is a huge factor in how we live i don't know yeah um and like i want like nelly Bly does like she i think i think it's like she's overall sympathetic but she does like she does like note that there are people that belong in a place where they can be taken care of and it's just really sad to see, like, this place is just not that at all. Yeah, it was, like, a devastating, I think, story. I just... 
It left me with, like, a pretty strong feeling of disgust when I finished it, you know? Like, I, it took me a couple hours to kind of pull myself out of it, even. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, even, like, more than other things we've read, because I knew that there was, like, a reality to it, and, like, the way that the horrifying things are described isn't for emphasis, it's just for, like, factual, like, recounting, you know what I mean? Minus the food. <laughs> I, I guess that's, like, why, you know, I mean, you can read a lot of existential horror, but, like, nothing is as horrifying as the way people have actually existed, you know? Yeah. Like, it's that stuff that inspires all the existential horror. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the reason that madness is held over everyone's head, like, this, 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 you know, this monstrous threat and Lovecraft's mm-hmm. work and in the King in Yellow is because madness is genuinely horrifying and when you are mad the alienation you experience from the world is sort of right. like a second horror upon the first you know like it's, yeah. it's just yeah yeah just like uh, like it multiplies everything oh yeah um, I guess all that's left is sort of the post book yeah yeah I guess know? we like um, yeah for the people out there if they want to read this like it is a quick read it is very engaging like we're like we were like ragging on the structure a little bit yeah yeah but it's not like it'll it's not like it'll wear you down or anything you know what i mean like you'll you'll blow through it and then find that you think it's a little oddly organized you know yeah but yeah structural not structurally i mean just prose wise and statement wise and there's there's clarity there I, I never, I never not knew what was going on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I guess like, yeah, so like, like, well, look, we're definitely leaving stuff out. Like you, like, there's a million examples of how life there is, you know, like life in Blackwell was like poor quality. Like I don't know, I don't know if someone came in with good intentions and got worn down or 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 what like here's where if i've actually if i had actually read any foucault i might <laughs> say something about prisons or something i mean right. even if, well, even Corbin, if someone Corbin's read some foucault right you're a resident uh, foucault so i um even 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 if an individual nurse had come in with good intentions um the the culture there would quickly take over Mm-hmm. Um, would probably probably be the closest Foucault take. I think that's shown in the end results of like maybe the interaction with the grand jury. I mean, things seem to only improve in very small metrics, and somehow, mm-hmm. I, incredibly, I, what did they find out an hour in advance that the cops were coming, and somehow this like place pulled it all together and like made it look like everything there was op- operational and functional killed like four people that she talked to i mean like <laughs> disappeared them i w- i was amazed that the grand jury at the end found like any credibility in her story given the amount of like you know either the lie that she told or the amount of cover-up that they did to like make her seem you know like like a liar i you know i i'm not really sure what to make of that but it was like what do you mean with an hour's notice they got rid of four people and like changed everything like you know what i mean like how there, there must have been enough story consistency for the jury. Well, I mean, shit, she was a national phenomenon. I, I, I kind of got the sense in this that, like, maybe the only person that thought she wasn't being a little loud about this was her sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, for fuck's sake, one of her friends came to visit her and she said, like, out loud to him, like, hey, don't give me up. And I know she said she was super discreet about it, but she had reporters come in, like, she was in the news, like... I, I saw nothing to indicate that she was any kind of like, you know, Central or South American, let alone Cuban. I mean, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, what? Like, how I was going to say, si, senor, and no, senor. Yeah, she said, si, senor. She said, si, senor. All right. That's, uh, that's, I mean, I, do, I, I guess I have to listen to you. I, if that's what you say the line is. Oh. Okay. Uh, the, okay, the weird point when she's leaving, she's um, she says, "I said adios to the Mexican woman." Like there was never a Mexican woman until she has to say goodbye to one. 
Oh, yeah, but then at the end, when she comes back with the grand jury, she's like, yeah, the Mexican woman was gone, and they said they never had a Mexican woman. And for a second, I was like, are you mad? Like, did you really lose it in there? Like... <laughs> yeah, and, like, maybe, like, she only says that she expects that the um, cleanup happened while they were at Bellevue waiting for the boat. Like, I'm not sure exactly, like, how soon after she left that she came back. The idea of, like, a whole asylum full of, like, nurses and, like, like you know, in some cases barely contained mental patients and doctors, like, essentially doing, like, the, um, uh, the, the, the college, the, the high school party, but, oh my god, my parents are coming home early and they're a half hour away <laughs> kind of thing. It's kind of just, like, silly to think about, you know what I mean? Like, a... Like, Yakety Sack starts playing, and they're just all running around frantically scrubbing things. Like, I don't, That's know. definitely happened at work when I worked at a, at a garage. Oh, um, yeah, that, yeah. There was so much that wasn't up to code. And then, I don't know how. I'm guessing just because, like, the next person up the chain doesn't want to get in trouble. I guess he would let the manager know that, okay, some people are coming in to do inspection. And so the day before, he'd be like, okay, we need to take clean this to hide the, hide those chairs. You're going to hate to hear this, but I mean, like, so, the, Corbin, this isn't the restaurant we both worked at, so, you know. <clears throat> but I worked at a restaurant that also did that. You know what I mean? It was one of the first jobs I ever had. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I guess like, that's got to be. scary because, yeah, that makes you freak <laughs> out. I, I take, how's that for bad food, Nelly? <laughs> no, I, every, every time I hear anything about the behind the scenes of any restaurant, it's never good. Right. Kitchen nightmares. Um, I, I do I do wonder if they had more time to clean up. I mean, I, I assume there was a news story from Nelly out before this grand jury case even started. You know, if anyone's listening to this and they haven't read it, um, I'm sure you could tell just from context about what we were saying. After she's let out of the of the madhouse, there's someone comes and picks her up. She gives a testimony to a grand jury talking about the the horrible conditions at the at Blackwell, and when they send over the investigators, everything's different. The boat from the hospital to the island is is a different boat. They said that the dirty one that they that Nellie Bly had come in with was in for repairs or something. When they go, the food isn't nearly as horrible as it was when she was there. There's salt fully on display even though she said food wasn't salted except for like the first day that she was there um a lot of the more sane people who might have been able to uh back up nelly's story with the exception i think of tilly and miss neville i think are taken out of sight despite all that i guess there was enough that the grand jury decided that something was up and they decide and they decided to give I don't know if it's like the city. I guess yeah, they give the city a million dollars more uh, to take care of the insane. I did want to point. Uh, I wanted to um, like something about like giving the money just kind of feels like, af- like the only thing that happened after the Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, I guess two years ago. Um, was that the police got more funding? Oh my god. Of right, like, <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. And, like, now Joe Biden's, like, I'm dating the podcast to this time in July. Joe Biden wants to, like, add, like, a billion dollars more to police so they can have a hundred thousand more police now. Like, and, like, I can see how, like, the lip thing can be like, oh, they're just underfunded and, you know, stretched thin or something. And that, because that's the excuse that Superintendent Dent gives. He says that he like he gives like when they ask him he says like he has no way he had no way to know that things were like this even though that he even though he's shown like Like being present well yeah Yeah. um and he gives the excuse that there's just a lack of funds so like that's the part that feels like the ending of any given season of the wire where (laughs) like um Certain people that are like a certain cushy jobs can just sort of say the right words to smooth things over, and something is done. A small change is done. Even sure, even just raising awareness. I'm sure that maybe after that there was more of a of an eye 
of a more like critical eye placed on on these things. Uh, but as far as the book, the book ends at and the city gave them one million dollars. Oh, yeah. Which back then was so much money. Yeah. Right. What did we see last week? It was like thirty cents. Was like eight dollars, eight or nine dollars. Right. Something crazy like that. That's a lot of money now. So that's got to be like hundreds of millions at least. Yeah, I'm sure they needed it. The part that yeah. makes me concerned with that is that it's not like they lack the like they got those rice. I mean, they got the salt barrels out in time for the jury so they had money to appropriate for that like they had money set up for that well there's that whole thing where she describes how the nurses eat like raisins and peaches and shit yeah like like clearly everyone's do they she talks about how when she walks past the kitchen she smells nicer food than they're given you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like Clearly, all the money in this is going to feeding those nurses, you know, and, and, you know, Mr. Dent's fat ass himself, you know. Yeah, so this is something, Sorry, I guess. that's the language but, of the time, guys. Don't yeah, yeah, that's that. what they said. <laughs> yeah, that's what they said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they also called him a cock. <laughs> yeah. Back then, it was... <laughs> a fat cock was what you would call somebody like that. It was actually seen as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, uh, that was like the that's like the title of a Charlie Chaplin movie. It's like not even a big deal. Yeah, it's called the Fat Cock. The Fat Cock. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else uh, have anything to add? I think that's. Uh, I think that's ten days in a madhouse. Right. I think so too. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for part two of Ten Days in a Madhouse. This is Corbin signing off, and yeah, I'll, I'll let my my peers sign themselves off. Hey, this is Hannah. You guys have a good night. Yeah, and a pleasant evening. Exactly. Uh- <laughs>